good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to podcast episode number six. As me, the Godfather, Philip Brady, and the Queen, Ellie Hoybier, talk about all things Tottenham and a couple of discussion points we have tonight. Firstly, Philip, how are you? And um, looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, a few interesting subjects, all right. And uh, still kind of raw, coming off the back of yesterday's uh, episode of Anfield, but uh, we'll get over it. We'll get over it. We will. And Ellie, always ever present on these podcasts. Are you are you looking forward to some of the discussions we have? Levy, Enoch, VAR, the Don, yeah. a few to be yeah, looking forward to getting some the meaty questions given to us as well by yourself, Dermot. I'm sure you've got some packed in. And um, yeah, I'm feeling a bit sore. It'll take me at least a year to get over that one. <laughs> anyway, first, I'm going to reach everyone a happy bank holiday Monday, wherever you are. It's May Day. So if you are having a bank holiday, happy one. And also for people in the UK, happy coronation bank holiday weekend. You're jammy gits. You get an extra bank holiday weekend. <laughs> Where we London, don't. London. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't you think the Celtic fans would agree with that, Sonna. No, I don't think the Celtic <laughs> fans would, and I'm, I'm with them on that. But I'm just saying, you got down below a Jamie Gitz getting an extra bank holiday. But anyway, well, it's, it's the chant they were, they were chanting at the Rangers match yesterday. I don't know if you heard us. I, I yeah, I did. Yeah, it. I couldn't repeat it. Something to do with. Beep, 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 beep. Lots of beeps, yeah, lots of beeps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, let's crack on with it, shall we? Right? Let's crack on, right? The first... Yeah. Right, this news broke actually a few days ago. And because of the Liverpool match and because of all the other bits of coming out, we're only getting around to talking about it now. So, Philip, Paratici's ban's been partially lifted by FIFA. Now, he has resigned as director of football. Now, my understanding for that you in, Philip, is that if he was to come back to Spurs, Paratici assisted before FIFA by a team of lawyers made up Paolo Lombardi, these lawyers, were therefore able to continue working in world football, about with the reduced duties compared to those carried out to date, in compliance with the limits imposed by the sanction imposed by the FIGC. The ruling means Paratici will not be able to return to the sort of role he had either at Juventus or Tottenham, although the latter have already the latter have already moved on anyway, and have begun identifying potential replacement for their director of football. Well, we know Mons coming in to take his role anyway. Mm. So, what does this mean for Paratici and his future endeavours somewhere else? Well, it means absolutely nothing for his futures at Tottenham because he doesn't have one. Uh, and he made himself very clearly out. He obviously didn't expect this appeal to be overturned because why did he? He wouldn't have resigned as quickly as he did, or maybe he was forced to resign. I don't know. But uh, no, it's got Mons coming in on the 1st of July, I think, to more or less take his well, not directly take his place, but obviously assume some of the duties. Like, I think if Paratici was allowed back, he'd be like, he wouldn't he wouldn't be allowed to have any, any monetary dealings, I don't think, because obviously what happened in Juventus. So if he was to come back, it would be on a limited role, which we don't really need. I mean, we're, 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 we don't really need him back at all. And uh, uh, if any other club is willing to take him on, good luck to him. But I think he might have a problem getting another job, given what he happened, given what happened to him at Juventus, you know. And Ellie, look, we, we, all, we all love Paratici. Well, I do for the job he's done. I think he was far better than Hitchin. Hitchin is just... Anybody. Anybody would be better. Mr. Robbie would be better than Steve Hitchin. But do you think he leaves Tottenham in a better place, Ellie, than he found it? And also, where do you think he might end up next? Um, I do agree that he left us in a better place than he found us. Um, in terms of the guy, the players, sorry, he brought, brought in and the ones that he shipped out, he'd done a very good job. Um, he could have done a little bit more with the defence, but sometimes things don't happen because we don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes and all the transfer dealings. I heard Hitchin say it's not easy to get them over the line. It's very difficult, but, you know, if you really want a player, you just go and put the money down and go for it. Right, so what was the other part of the question, sorry? Where do you think he might end up next? 
Oh, that's a good question, Dermot. Um, in Tesco's, doing some shopping? <laughs> no, to be serious, I think he'll get a job in Italy. I think somebody will put their money down and pay for his services, be it, you know, um, limited, because he can still bring a lot of experience and he's still got all his contacts. Just when it comes to the money part, I think he'll have to pass it on to somebody else to finalise a deal. So he'll probably be doing all the scouting. And he's very good because he's he's got a really good handbook of all the players and all their agents. So it's a very useful man to have about in your club. Now, Philip, also Juventus have been handing back their 15-point deduction. So that's now been handed back to them, which mm -hmm. moves them back up to third in Serie A. Does it mean all what we went through, Paratici, Juventus, the bands, everything, does it feel that it was a waste of time? And, yeah. and you know, and that fo Italian football is just as corrupt as it's always been or as it has been. Yeah, I mean, Italian football is like a, it's like a subdivision of the, it's like a sub-branch of the mafia, to be honest with you. Now, again, I could get in trouble for saying that, but there is a lot, there's a lot of corruption from top to bottom in Italy at all levels of, of authority. So this, the football is no different. And I mean, I'm sure AC Milan, Inter Milan and Roma are absolutely gutted that Juventus have been handed back to 15 points because it's thrown their European qualifications into all sorts of issues, you know. So, um, no, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it was something, it much to do about nothing in the end of it, really, you know. And I think they were posturing to give the actual sentence in the first place, knowing full well it would be kicked out on appeal. They just seemed to be doing something, but knowing well full well it would never be sticking. And uh, Paratici will be the beneficiary of that. He'll probably get a job with another Italian club, as Ellie said. Uh, but um, uh, he, no English club will touch him, that's for sure. But just, when you, just on the side there, you heard you mention Steve Hitchin there. Um, paper talk today is that Mauricio Pochettino wants to bring Steve Hitchin with him to Chelsea if he goes to Chelsea. Please, which is, please. Which is interesting. Please, go there, Steve. Go there. We, we, agent, agent Poch and Agent Steve Hitchin. You know, yeah. double act like double. I feel, I, double I, I feel sorry for Poch if he takes on that Chelsea job. I really hope he doesn't take it for his own sake, because he might as well go and work for Billy Smart Circus and work for that mob. Yeah. Um. Look, just on the last thing on this parentage thing, before we move on to our next subject, which is Philip's favourite subject, VAR. I mean, he loves this subject so much. He goes to sleep at night with a VAR vase next to him. He kisses VAR when he goes to sleep. So the thing he does at night. <laughs> So, as, yeah. as we all know, he is a VAR, you know, the biggest supporter out there. But let's end on the Paratici thing with a question to the Paria. Ellie, I'll start with you first. Look, Paratici bought in great players. As you said, he loaned out, but he did a lot of loan to buys. Do you think that is the way forward now in football, or do you think that was just Paratici's way of working? Yeah, because when you think about it, all the players that we've put out on loan really didn't have a lot of game time. So they were very raw and very, um, you know, they didn't have a they didn't have a leg to stand on when it came to playing for Spurs. That's one thing's for sure. So for him to get them all out on loan, and with some of them have got a loan to buy, I think that was fantastic business because we've got them off our books. The other uh, clubs are paying most of their wages. So we've saved a lot of money in that to board our transfer kitties as well. So you've got to look at it. The bigger picture is that he's done more to go out than the players that he's brought in because we didn't address some of the issues like defensively. That's my, my take on it. But he's done a grand job. I think he's done... I've heard a lot of people say that he hasn't. But I disagree with them because a lot of those players weren't going to be bought outright because of the game time they had. So little game time. At... Yeah, so I put my fingers, you know, I put my thumb up, sorry, to Paratici. He'd done a good job. I, I mean, Philip, look, we, we know we've got all these players coming back in the summer. Are you hopeful that some of them will become permanent deals? It's a bit like Don Bellier and Harry Winks at Sampdoria, respectively. Mm -hmm. We do have the likes of Spence, Joe Roden, players like that coming back in the summer. Where do you think Paratici failed as the director of football at Tottenham? And if he has failed, 
where did he fail? Well, he failed. No, we don't know how much the, the ultimate blame, where the ultimate blame lies. He, I'm sure Paratici identified certain centre-halves or centre-backs or whatever you want to call them for the club to buy. And for, for one reason or another, uh, we were able to push the deal over the line. Now, whether that was because non-meeting non of the asking price, the player's agent may be instructing the player not to go to Tottenham. You don't know what the reasons are. There's a number of reasons. But one thing, one thing that worries me about all these buy-to-lets that he's let out there Okay, there's talk today that Spurs are actively seeking to cancel Ndombele's contract. They're not going to wait for um, Napoli to buy him. They're just going to cut him loose, which is a good thing, right? But look, look mm. at the players we've sent out on loan. Joe Roden can't get a kick. Jed Spence was nowhere to be seen at the weekend. Um, Serge Regalon can't get a game for Letigo Madrid. They're sending him straight back. Giovanni Lucelso seems to be the one that might be attracting a bit of interest from uh, over beyond. Uh, Harry Winks will probably stay at Sampdoria, which is fair enough. But we're going to have five or six players coming back, including Troy Parrott and Dean Scarlett, who have got very little game time. So we've literally sent out most of the players we've sent out on loan have been bench warmers for their for their new club, and that's no addition to them coming back to us. So I think we have to get ruthless here. We either have to cut, cancel their contracts. Uh, and, and let set, let them lose or sell them on for a hell of a loss. And the likes of the Chelsea, we're going to take a hit there. So but from that point of view, it might have looked a good idea at the time, but you're depending on the on the team that players go to actually playing them. And that has not happened in a lot of cases. Look, for me, I think he's done a good job. I think he's made some mistakes. I think the loan to buy is a mistake. I don't think it's the right way to do things. I think you want to get rid of them, get rid of them now. But I suppose it's the way of football. And look, I, I thank him for his service. I thank him for everything he's done for Tottenham. Okay, he's been mm. caught doing something he shouldn't have done. He's now been found guilty. He's now fighting that process to clear his name. So I, I, I call them a don. I stand by calling them a don. Mm. I think he's Don Paratici. He always will be Don Paratici. We thank you for your service and we see what this Scott Munn can do now. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll get on to that as well, probably. In one, the further thing, one further thing, Dave, just on that before you finish it. I think a loan to buy situation, ben, like say, we, we benefited on a loan to buy bringing in uh, um, Bentoncourt and Kulachevsky because we we actually benefited them because we actually saw that they were good players and we bought them. Uh, Kulachevsky, I'm not quite sure what the story and his loan. I think do we still have the option to buy him at the end of the season. Mm. I think that's the way he's set up. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas the likes of uh, Rodan and um, we will have put Regulon, there's not a hope of those deals going through. So, you know, the, the, you win some, you lose some in that situation. Yeah. But I, I back up Dermot. Paratici did a reasonably good job the one mm. with, with, the, with the cards that he was dealt. Uh, with a more um, with a more forthcoming chairman and board, he might have done a lot better. Mm. Right, so there you go. So out of ten, Ellie, what would you give Parentichi out of ten? I'll give him a, a six. Yeah, yeah. I'd go maybe maybe seven. I do apologise. The washing machine in the background is about to do its river dance, so I'm expecting <laughs> it to sound down in the middle of the kitchen, so I do apologise. Philip, we're going on seven. to your favourite yeah, subject. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Your favourite subject in the whole... And Mrs Brady could probably vouch for this. She probably You talk about it over... The, you probably have your dinner, Philip, right? And you've got your peas and you've got your salt and pepper out. Now, was he offside? Was he on? Trying to explain to Mrs Brady the offside rule and everything, so... You know, as, as all men coming in one ear and coming out the other. She, she doesn't listen. She hasn't done for years. No. All right. right. <laughs> like now, most men with their women. Yeah, I know, I know. We, we talked about this earlier in our in our news beat show. And please, everyone, get over and have another look at that. It's a great show. Right. We all agreed this is sending off, but this is the review. Right now, this is the VAR review, and I want to get your your comments on this. Philip first, and then you, Ellie. VR yeah. review was Jota is fortunate that he should probably have been red carded, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's an incorrect decision from for VAR. David Coote not to intervene, such is the nature of VAR. While there is a strong case that Jota's endangerment, 
the safety of an opponent at the same time. It could have been argued that Jota was only reckless, which is a yellow card offence. That doesn't make sense. No, rubbish. So Skip put his head into the area where Jota is playing the ball rather no. than Liverpool play directly kicking his opponent. Did Jota try and play the ball and not expect Skip to attempt a header? Though all questions VAR should have should have checked. Philip, we'll go back to it again. That's ascending off all day long, isn't it? Really? It's I mean, if and if Oliver Skip had gone down to waist level to head the ball, you know, gone down real low, and your man caught it with his boot, you'd say fair enough. But Jota's, if you look at Jota's toe, now Jota, I think, is about five foot eleven or six foot, right? Mm. If you look at the level where his toe, it's almost level with his own head, top of his head. Mm. So that that boot is six, five and a half, five and three quarter feet into the air. Oliver Skip has only gone the marginally down to, to head the ball. He he was trying to head the ball. Jota should have had the ball, but Jota chickened out and put up the boot. That is a red card all day long, no arguments, and the referee that didn't give a red card for that is incompetent. And Ellie, so is the VAR official. Yeah. Ellie, we've gone back through the years, like back to Gaza's tackles in the 91 Cup final when he should have been sent off really after the first one, to be fair. Yeah. We, we can all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. Now, we all went through, we all agreed sending off. How could VAR get it so wrong? Do you know what? I don't know, Dermot, because, look, you can see that's clear studs to the head. If he'd gone with his tippy-toe, right, and tried to clear the ball and he's caught his head, fair enough. But he's still a high foot. It's still a high leg, sorry, and um, you can't you can't not say that is endangering the players. So his head open, and blood is dripping down from Skippy's head. So we've lost a player as well. It's not yeah. just that he yeah. wasn't sent off. We've lost a player in our midfield who was playing quite well up to that stage. You know, he was getting into it um, from a very slow first half. But I just feel. VAR trying to pass the buck to the referee and not taking responsibility in those words that they put out. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Do you know, Do you know what, Philip? Can I just say something here very quickly? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Philip, or no, cut no, over no, you, no. Ellie. Oh, no, you very no, nearly no. took your man's eye out. Yeah. If you look at that, if that, now, these are new studs, so the new studs are slightly safer than what the old studs used to be. Yeah. If that was yeah, the yeah. old type studs, he would have taken his eye out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. surely to God, the referee who is standing there, by the way, looking straight at it, he's nowhere near the ball. He thinks the ball is his head. I mean, why didn't the referee not just instant red card? Uh, is well, v- the question I got for you, Philip, is, is VAR running the games rather than the referees? Well, first of all, can I say... Of all the clubs in probably European football that have benefited the most from VAR decisions, I mean Liverpool are known are known as Liverpool for nothing, right? Now, first of all, I must say Diego Jota has got a good career ahead of him as a ballet dancer. So that the kick he's made that, that a ballet dancer would be proud of getting your leg up that high, really. So when he finishes ball, he's going to work for a river dance or whatever he wants to do. But I'll tell you the 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 it seems to me, and this may sound like a conspiracy theory, it's not. It seems to me the referees are intimidated by Jurgen Klopp, the Anfield atmosphere or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because the amount of time since VAR came in that Liverpool have got away with it is incredible. And yesterday was just another example. And not just that incident there. There was a penalty incident against Ricarlison. Uh, there was a few, a couple of other doubtful decisions. So referees, got them, We've got them all coming up. We've got them in the line as well. I think um, psychologically, referees are under terrible pressure going to Anfield. The VAR official right now, VAR, is a brilliant system. It's absolutely foolproof, or would be, if they didn't have trained monkeys running it. Not not even trained monkeys. Each referee referee that does a VAR stint seems to have a different interpretation of what the rules are. And that's what's killing it. It's a brilliant system, but it's been manifestly badly operated by the various referees that do it. And until that's sorted out, it's going to be an absolute joke, and there's going to be more and more of these contentious decisions. Right, Ellie. Yeah. Now, 
what can you see wrong in this picture? And mind you, there's a few wrong bits in this picture, to be fair. If you're really rude, you could make a few rude um, observations in this picture. <laughs> but yeah. now, this is Skippy's tackle on, I forget his name, the name sort of. Louis something or other. Yeah. Now, we can see that tackle there. VAR, what happened in the was the challenge by Luis Diaz on the edge of the area while the Spurs player got a toe to the ball first. He's followed through, then caught the Liverpool forward above the ankle. Referee Tierney gave no decision and play continued. VR decision, no red card. Mm-hmm. Now, the VR review timely obviously saw that Skip won the ball but completely missed the follow-through contact. Should have awarded the free kick to Liverpool and shown the yellow card. On a weekly basis, we see similar tackles where players are stepping into a challenge, gets the time <coughs> slightly wrong, and catches the opponent above the boot. It has been consistent throughout the season that these haven't been VAR red cards. To cross the threshold for an invitation, the VAR is looking for a player coming in with force, leaving the ground, or making contact from behind high above the boot. Take Van Dyke's challenge on. Amado in September when the Liverpool defender caught on a higher on the shin after stepping into a challenge. Referee Anthony Tanny issued a yellow card, which wasn't upgraded after a VAR check. Now, we, we're complaining about the Liverpool tackle on Skippy. But should, should have Skippy been sent off for that challenge, Ellie? Uh, no, because he actually got the ball... And his momentum takes him forward. Yeah. So he's not intentionally going to harm the player. And he's he's got his he's got his foot to the ball. If he hadn't got his foot to the ball and it was a late tackle, then I just think it's a yellow card, not a red, because it's not intentionally trying to injure the player. You know, bad timing of tackles happens all the time, doesn't it? So no, I don't I don't think I think they got that one right. Philip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as Ellie said, what he played the ball, and you can't stop your leg dead because you see another player's leg coming at you. The momentum carried through, mm. and, uh, and you know that was that was a good decision by the referee. I have to say, like, I, I actually I wouldn't have been a bit surprised if he had sent Skip off for that, given his other decisions during the match. But he saw sense on that particular one. But to compare that, you can't compare it with the Jota one because Jota is Jota's leg is out of control and the ball's nowhere near it. So uh, yeah. that, that's why he made the, they made the mistake on that. But, it's, you know, I don't know if any of you ever watch rugby matches, right? The, the, the rules in rugby are so – you can't go off on, you can't go off your feet. You can't put weight on a player at a certain level. Rugby referees have so, a much, much harder job to do than soccer referees. But because their VAR system is, is open to – everybody can hear said It's completely transparent. So I think what should happen in, in VAR situation in soccer – the VAR officials' comment with the ref should be transmitted so you can hear what's going on. Then there would be no room for, for, for error. And uh, But I can't see them ever doing that. But it would be great to hear what's going on. Would you think it's a red card or not? No. Let them hear what they're saying, but like rugby does. But uh, in that yeah. incident there, he got the decision right. Skippy should not have been sent off. Andy? Yeah, I just don't think he... It wasn't intentional. He just followed through and he's won the ball. So you can't send him off. The worst he could have got is a yellow card for being yeah. a little bit, you know, reckless in the follow through. Yeah. Absolutely. Carry on for a minute, Philip, please. Okay. Well, then the thing about the the the, the VAR decisions. I mean, you you've got the crazy situation of uh, after the game, Jurgen Klopp who abused the fourth official on the winning goal and pulled his hamstring in doing it, which is poetic justice if ever there was one. But he comes out and says, Paul Tierney has an agenda against Liverpool. (laughs) How can you come out with crap like that after the referee has basically handed you the game on a plate and say that he's got an agenda against you? Jürgen Klopp should wash his mouth out, wash his mouth out and keep quiet. Um, he's been, he's been, the FA will punish him for the outburst yesterday. But what Jurgen Klopp needs is a, a touchline ban for the rest of the season. 
because he abuses the rules of the technical area. He abuses the fourth official from the first minute to the final whistle in every game. And he gets away with it because, why? Because he's Liverpool. Right. Well, I'm going to disagree with a pair of you on this. Right. I don't agree with you at all, Filippinelli. I think it should have been a sending off. He, he, anyone, he's, I can understand the follow through and he's clipped him on the ankle. That's fine. But he's followed through. He could have broke your man's leg. Yeah, but he now, didn't. But he, yeah, he but can't he know where, where the man's leg is, yeah, John. He hit the, the ball it, first. It's a natural yeah. movement. It's a natural well, movement. He, he, he's not aiming at his leg. His leg just happened did, to be there. Yeah, but you see yeah. Van Dyke earlier this season. He'd done exactly the same tackle. Yeah. And he, he, and he, got, he, he wasn't sent off either. No, he should have been. And that's well, the point. But he wasn't. And the reason yeah, being was the same, the same, the same... The same uh, thinking was applied to that next tackle as that one yeah, yesterday, which was proves, correct. Yeah, but that proves... I don't think it was, but look, that's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got their own opinions. <laughs> yeah, I and, think, uh, if you see the, there, Dermot, he's leaning back. He's not going forward yeah. to he, harm the, the guy. It says here, he got a toe to the ball. He didn't get a foot to the ball. He didn't get. He got a toe to the ball. Yeah. But it's, that means he still touched it. It doesn't matter if foot, yeah, foot yeah. or toe. He touched it. And and for for whatever reason, what Mora's doing there, what exit? I mean, it looks like it. It looks like he's, a chicken trying to lay an egg. He's stretching. He's stretching. Yeah. And there's there, there's Richardson looking a bit. Look, get in Richardson's thinking. They have nothing to do with that. They have nothing to do with that. They just happen to be in the photograph. I, I'm just making a joke of it, Phil. Yeah, oh I'm no, it's the two to... boys in the photograph for the other. Yeah. Who's to who's to say? How, you know, do, do they say the reason Richardson wasn't given the penalty was because he kind of and he kind of leaned back into your man, make it as out as out as if he's been pulled back. These players are cute. They, they they can see these tackles coming and manipulate it to their own in own advantage. Who's I, to say I, the Liverpool guy isn't put his leg in the way there? I, know, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. I don't agree. I think it. Sh I think it, if the first one wasn't sending off, so this. That's my opinion. And you know, I'm yeah. sorry I disagree with you two, but that's just that's my. Opinion. No problem. But, if, it, no problem, but, it, but if, if Virgil Van Dyke got away with it, you're sort of saying uh, Oliver Skip shouldn't have. Yeah. It doesn't make now, sense because they're, they're both similar tackles. Yeah. Now this is I don't think it was a penalty. I saw it when I saw it the first time in the game yesterday. I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, he, he didn't pull him. He didn't pull his shirt. I don't think it was he's a penalty. Pulling him back I, though. He's he's pulling. He's, he's pressure he's on his shoulder there. He's not pulling him if, back. He's leaning back you, into him. If you but watch anyway, that incident, if you watch that incident, Dermot, he doesn't just pull him once. He pulls him twice. Yeah, so but he, he doesn't give the first one because he's putting his arm round to stop Richarlison getting to the ball. But the second one, he actually puts weight on and pulls him down. Yeah, so yeah, well, I, I, I just personally think it was a penalty. I think right, it was a penalty, and also if it was another right, end, it would have been a penalty. Yeah, well, just read this out quick. Personal penalty, Canute on Richarlison. What happened in the eighth-fifth minute? A cross came into the area from Paro from Pedro Paro. Conte had his left arm on Richarlison's chest. The striker went to ground asking for a penalty. The referee Tony made it clear there was no spot kick. VR decision, no penalty. The review. Why Conte took a huge risk by having his arm across the chest of Richarlison. The Brazilian international appeared to go down to ground in a way that didn't fit with the level of contact. That's my view on it. Richarlison, don't, don't get me wrong. If it was a penalty, I would have been delighted. and probably would have won us the game. But that's just my opinion. I think he made too much of it. Richardson seemed to arch his back to intimidate um, it to um, intake being pulled back. The Liverpool defender wasn't pulling or holding the shirt of Richardson, so he wouldn't have been considered a clear and obvious error not to give a penalty. But Joe, no. every striker in the country is at it in the penalty spot. Any I, contact I know, at all, they're trying to they're trying to simulate a penalty. Sometimes they get away with it, sometimes they don't. Okay, Carlson didn't get I away with it yesterday. I, you know? I agree with you, but I just don't think that was a penalty. There was not if he had it, he he went down too easy, in my opinion. He made too much of it. If he didn't make too much of it, then they probably would have been given a penalty. But he made too much of it, and for me, it wasn't a penalty. There was no shirt pulling. If there was any glimp of a shirt pull, then yeah, I agree, penalty all day long. But there wasn't. He went mm -hmm. down too easy. As much as I love Richarlison, as much as it was 
He took the goal brilliantly. I'm glad he scored. I think he lets himself down on this side of the game where he goes down too easy. He starts making the meal of it too easy. And I think he was, if he hadn't done that, then it would have been a penalty. But the way he acted, the way he went down like a sack, like he'd been shot, then no penalty. And I agree with the referee. I don't think it should have been a penalty. But I know no, you guys are going to disagree. No, with if me. that's the case, and the referee, he got one, he got two decisions right in the match then. Yeah. You know, those some of those were given, some of them aren't. I'm not going to say whether it's a pen or not. It could have been given, it wasn't given. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, every striker in the Premiership is playing games like that now, trying the referee's patience, yeah. seeking to get away with it. Yeah. You know, uh, Ellie, what's your thoughts on that? Hello, let me get up again. Yeah. I mean, you're no. you're in. The, look, I give my view. Look, like, if, I, like I said, yeah, go on. Right, he puts his arm across Richarlison. Mm -hmm. Yes, Richarlison starts to go down, maybe theatrically, yes. But it's the second time that he pulls him. That's where I think it was a penalty. Because if he had just done the one arm, because a lot of players do that to put the striker off, but he did it the second time. He had the second bite at Richarlison. And that picture and that wouldn't show the second bite. His balance. That That's why I think it was a penalty. Bite. Not for mm. the first incident. Because, um, like I said, a lot of strikers do that. When they when the defender puts their arm across, they'll just go like down like a sack of bricks. But he went down like a sack of bricks, more or less when the second arm came down as well, and wrapped his hand round his body and actually pulled him down to ground. Yeah. You see, I I, I see. I I understand where you're coming from, Ellie, but I just don't get it. I don't under. Look for me, Philip. What's your view on it before we move on to? It's one of those ones, like, I mean, you know, it, it could have gone either way, really. Yeah. It could have gone either way. Yeah. Uh, the, I think there was enough contact. If the referee had given the penalty, I don't think there would be many arguments about it. Okay. But the fact that he didn't. Now, that see that picture there? If you reverse that rolls on that, if that was Harry Kane with his boots mm. up that high, they'd have him shot at dawn in Liverpool this right. morning. Okay. I want to do a little thing now with you all. Okay, little question. Right. It's like... We're three, we're the, we're the VAR people, right? Designers. So, do we all think yeah. this was? I think this was sending off. Philip, yes or no? Sending off, of course it is. It's assault. Yeah. We'll just say, I just want yes, yes or no. Yes. Yeah. Ellie? Yes. Okay. So, that's a sending off. This one, I think, is a sending off, but a yellow card at most. Philip? Yellow card at most, but definitely not a sending off. Okay. Ellie? Same yellow card, not a sending off, right? And then for me, this is Stonewall, no penalty, correct decision by the referee, Philip. Um, I'm 50 50 on this. I think it could, it should have been, it could have been given, and if it had, there would be no protest, but it wasn't. So, you know. okay, Ellie, I'm about 70 30 on it, 70%. Yes or no, yes, yes, okay. So, look, have your fun with that in the chat. Have your fun at home. It's a good bit. Something I might bring into Newsbeat. We might do Philip Brady's VAR watch. And <laughs> <laughs> That'll cheer yeah. up, Philip. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're really making me feel good now. I'm sorry that got a bit tasty. Um, but that's what these shows are about. Different opinions. That's it. Now, now, we're going on to our last subject. Mr. Levy, Joe Lewis, Enoch, hence the Wexford colours behind as working for the Wexford Tourism Board. Please come to Wexford County. Please come to County Wexford Island to get your lovely strawberries. <laughs> but while you're there, please go up to where you from Leitrim. Please drop up to Leitrim as well to see the Godfather, the spiritual home of Mr. Philip Brady. Now, Mr. Brady, now we discussed this earlier and we got a little bit heated. So I want to start off in this first question. Daniel Levy, does he get too much of the blame where it should have been directed at Joe Lewis? Well, as we discussed earlier, it appears that um, Harry Redknapp is of the opinion that Daniel Levy is not the main fault behind the situation at Tottenham. That is Joe Lewis. Mm. Joe Lewis is making the bullets and Daniel either has to fire them or disagree with them. And it would appear that, well, things that Daniel Levy has asked Joe Lewis to do, uh, Joe Lewis has refused. And I presume that means divvying up cash 
uh, for players. So Daniel Levy, while he's not faultless by any means, he's he's a he's at fault for sacking managers like they're like they're to a penny. But he may not be the full reason why things haven't been going the way we would like them to go. And as such, Joe Joe Lewis should take a percentage of the blame. But as Daniel Levy is the the public face of Tottenham, he's the one that's at every game. He takes the brunt of the of the um, the, the criticism. And you know you can't you can't do that. You can't argue with the fans because they're going to take it out on the on the face of the club they see at the ground. Now Joe Lewis, as we said earlier, we've probably been to more matches than Joe Lewis in the last few years between mm. us. And uh, he's sitting in the Bahamas, dangling his feet in the water every day. He doesn't care. But um, it's only if his daughter now takes over, she may have a more open approach to things, which we hope. But obviously, the the, the, the approach we would like to see is bye-bye Joe Lewis, bye-bye Daniel Levy, and let's have new owners in. Mm. Now, Ellie, I, I don't... Look, I'll take that off for a minute. That's something I want to get on to in a minute. Ellie, look, yeah. I, I have this view now where... I think Joe Lewis should be getting the blame as well because I think as much as we all want change at Tottenham, I think there should be a balance of an argument put across that though Daniel Levy's the face of Enoch and the face he's the chairman, he's the face of Tottenham Hotspur, where do you think the blame should be levelled at Joe Lewis? That if it is right that he isn't, every time Daniel Levy's gone to him, and ask for money, he's always said no, no, no. Then, and whichever way he tries to do it, he doesn't get anywhere. Do you think Enix's business plan is, well, if we can't get money, we just sack the manager? Do you think that business plan is wrong for football? Um, well, first, I'd, I'd like to address the fact that you've got to blame both of them. Um, obviously, if Lewis is holding all the purse strings and he's not giving Daniel what he want what he asked for, then you know his hands are tied. So you'd you'd apportion most of the blame to Lewis then. But we all don't know what goes be on behind closed doors. So we're it's only conjecture. And what Harry Redknapp has told us, he has got a bigger insight. And if he's blaming Lewis for most of it then he must have some substance and some evidence of that. He's not going to just come out with that for no reason. Yeah? Um, yeah. In regards to the way forward, I, I would like to see... I would like to see a chairman who's got ambition and uh, an own owners that come in who've got a vision for our club to make our club great again. Like, look at Man City. They seized the power. They've got money behind them as well. But they've seized the power. And we're, like, left in the wayside with a lot of other clubs. I mean, they're dominating. So yeah. we need to get up there with the Man Cities of this world. Mm. And we need richer owners who are going to put their hand in their pocket as well, like Newcastle owners have done. Um, and invest in our club and make make that vision come true for all us fans because we've been suffering 15 years without a trophy. Yeah, but 22 years just one trophy. It's not good enough. It's no, not that, that, <coughs> I know that. I know that, Ellie. But the point I was making was I know Philip, you have to go in a minute, so Yumi can continue this on, Ellie, yeah. for another 10, 15 minutes. But the point I was making, Philip, is their business plan not good? Is there Enix and Levy? Is Enix's business plan not suited to football? Their business plan. That's what I'm saying. I think Enix. I think the, the the crucial third, the crucial word in the acronym Enix is the third letter I. Investment. It's investment. Hmm. Now, they are out to make money for their investors, right? So their business plan does not only incorporate the soccer end of it; incorporates all other aspects of their hmm. business whether that's property or whatever. I don't know what the rest of the business is. But it seems to me the same business plan is applied to the entire the entire portfolio. Mm. And that does not work because soccer has to be dealt with in a separate way. Like mm. Running a soccer team is not the same as running a block of flats and collecting the rent every week. Exactly. So they, so, they have not adapted their business plan to suit the soccer end of it. Mm. So as such, the answer to your question is no, their business plan does not suit soccer. 
yeah. and never will suit soccer. We need an owner whose business plan is based on football mm. alone. Okay, have yeah. some ancillary investments like the the boxing matches and the rock concerts. They're fair enough. Grand, great, mm. no problem. But as long as that money is utilised for the good of the team and not for the good of the shareholders. Yeah. Can, can I just make one thing clear? I'm not Levy in. For anyone gets into the comments or puts it in the thing that Dermot's a Levy lover, that's just bullshit. I am not a Levy lover. I'm not a Levy in. I'm not paid by the club. I am nothing to do with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, which has been accused to me in the past. <coughs> I don't have, I'm just trying to bring out a constructive um, conversation by playing devil's advocate. Now, I wrote these questions out so me, Ellie, and Philip can talk about them in a, in a mature, in a respectful way. Now, just because I asked a different question doesn't mean that I'm a Levy lover. So anyone thinks that in the chat, go and do one. I'm fed up with it. So, rant over. Right. So on that point then, Philip, i just ask a question for you because I know you have to go. We all want Levy out. We all want change at Tottenham. Hence the background, purple and gold to Tottenham are sold. We've got the Man United takeover happening with, I think the Qataris are going to, are probably going to win that bid. So that leaves Jim Ratcliffe yeah. probably to look elsewhere. Yeah. Could Jim Ratcliffe come to Tottenham? But could there be a scenario that Jim, that Jim Ratcliffe takes over but leaves Levy in charge? Yeah, well, apparently Jim Ratcliffe's uh, proposal to buy Manchester United would have allowed the Glazers retain a 20% stake in the club. So if he pursues a similar route at Tottenham, then that would look very much like he'd be allowing the Enoch to maintain a 20% stake, which means Daniel Levy could well be uh, at the club. But I would imagine if Jim Ratcliffe has any sense, he'll appoint himself as chairman, right? Mm. And Daniel Levy somewhere else down the chain of command because... We can't be going just because new eighty percent new owners. We can't be going through with the same old, same old, same old again. Jim Ratcliffe has to come with a new vision for the club, which I think he would have. Uh, but again, the problem we're going to have, as we all know it, whatever Manchester United goes for, Tottenham cannot expect to go for the same amount. We're not as big a club as, as Man United. We haven't as big a worldwide footprint as Man United. So if Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis decide that they want an, an extra billion on top of what United cost, there is not a hope anybody's going to pay that money. Mm. So that's the, yeah. that's the, that's the catch-22 we're going to find ourselves in. I yeah. think, you know? um, Ellie, look, we, we all know yeah. Levy and Enoch, what they've done for 22 years. We've got a fantastic stadium. We have a fantastic training ground. Yet yeah, stuff off the pitch. We're in a far better position than we were back in the late not 80s, early 90s, when we nearly went bust. So off the field, we're the best we've ever been. On the field, it's been 20-odd years of failure, apart from 2008. Now, I want to bring up a list of these managers mm -hmm. here. At least since 2001, we've had... Yeah. Uh, well, George Graham was manager when Enoch took over. And can I just point out that Enoch were part of the group that helped Terry Venables and, Terry Venables and Alan Sugar buy out Tottenham Hotspur. So they've had a stake in Spurs since 1991. Yeah. But we've had Hoddle, Santini, Martin Yo, Ramos, Redknapp, um, Villabias, Pochettino. Then we've had Nuno, Conte, and then went for a new manager. And then, of course, we've had Stellini, Mason, Mason, Clive Allen, Clive Allen, David Pleat, David Pleat as caretaker managers. Out of all them 14 managers, only Harry Redknapp and Pochettino were the longest-serving managers under under Daniel Levy. Yeah. Does Daniel Levy have too much of a sack now? Fix it by by uh, has he has he thought some of these sackings true? That sack him now and then he thinks down halfway down the line, oh shit, I made a mistake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The likes of Pochettino and Harry Redknapp, the two longest-serving managers under his reign. Where do you think it went wrong for him with the fans? Um, it, I I personally think it was with Pochettino because the fans absolutely adored him. And, mm. I mean, they're singing his name now. That's how much they love him. Not all the fan base, 
want him yeah. back. Can I, can I just at the time minute, when he was Eddie, our manager, yeah. he made us play tremendous Eddie, football. Can... Yeah, can I sit there, Philip? I know you need to go and then I'll get yeah, back. Unfortunately, to I have to go. So, listen, yeah. I'll continue this. Yeah. Good to talk. I enjoyed that now. Sorry, I have to go. We have time constraint here today. And yeah. so I'll talk to you soon, lads. Yeah, okay. talk to you soon. But back tomorrow. Yeah. See you tomorrow, See you Philip. Tomorrow. All, the See you tomorrow. All the best. Bye, All the best. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Right, I'll take yeah. Philip out there. All right. Sorry, Ellie. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go no, on. it's right. okay. Sorry. Don't worry. Sorry. It's okay. Right, so yeah, with Pochettino, he's sort of he's left a good mark in the Spurs fans' hearts who were with him with the style of football that he, he brought to our club. And we were nearly there. We were nearly there. But then he had the sour period where we never won away for 10 months, I believe. Mm. So look, if he stuck with Pochettino and it went worse then he, his legacy wouldn't be the same as it is now because they, they're still that there's still that magic you know song yeah. being belted out mm. at, at Water Lane. So mm. look, it swings and roundabouts. He's he's trying to get the right blend for Spurs, but he's made some quite big cock-ups with the fans in terms of the style yeah. of football. Because mm. we were all on board when when um Conte's football was winning, but as soon as it started losing, then the sour grapes started coming yeah, out, and a lot of fans were disillusioned. Yeah, it's the same under Pochettino, it's the same under Mourinho, it's the same under Conte, same fans. Yeah. This is it. We want the Tottenham way. We want, we want, the, well, we were getting the Tottenham way under Pochettino, but it wasn't good enough. We were getting the Tottenham way under yeah. Harry Redknapp, and it wasn't good enough. Now, look, I can understand we're desperately need of a trophy, and that's for another show. It really is. Um, look, yeah. the, the, we've had three defensive managers, Ellie, and, uh, since Poch. Now, it looks like we could go either for Negresman or we could be going for um, Salt as well. I think them two managers, Slot, that's Slot, the other yeah. manager as well. Where does Levy go now with the management of Tottenham? And also, if if it is true that Joe Lewis has been holding back the purse strings and his daughter comes in and starts spending money on players and getting the right players and backing the managers, as playing to the effect of playing devil's advocate here, does that change the ball game completely? With with the with Levy and 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 the fans. See, there's a there's a little bit of a misconception with the Levy outers. All they want, and myself, I'm one of them as well. All we want is the best for our club. Like any fan, even if you're Levy in or Levy out, we all want the best for our club. We all want us to be successful. We all want us to see trophies coming our way. Because when they're going, when you see clubs like Man City who came from obscurity and they've dominated British football for the last seven or eight years, and it's just felt you just feel like we're such a big club with such a glorious history, Dermot. I've seen you when you get passionate as well. I miss my Tottenham. Yeah, we all miss that Tottenham that we knew. You know, I'm I'm even before you, Dermot, but it doesn't matter where you came in. You still want success for your club, hmm. right? So the fans feel disconnected as well because there's no transparency from the club of the way forward, how we're going to go forward, our vision, what we want, yeah. what we want, how we're going to achieve it. Hmm. But on the, on the spin of that, Ellie, look, we, we, we've had three different – I've lived on the four different owners – we both have, you and me. We had the Richmond yeah. family under Bill Nick, under Keith Berkshire, up to Scholar, took over in 83. Then we've had Alan Sugar and now Enoch. Yeah. Has football changed so much over the, since the, the Richmond's area to the Enoch era that it's changed so much that it's harder now? There's harder now to build a successful football club unless you're prepared to put in billions upon billions upon billions where 
you look at the Liverpool side of the 70s and 80s. They replaced two players every season. They didn't have to spend big money, but they were winning the European Cup. Yeah. Nottingham Forest won the second division and first division championships, respectively. Went on to win two European championships, two European Cups, as it was then. Aston Villa won the league, went on to win a European Cup. We, Tottenham, were the first club to win um, Cup Winners' Cup. Then we're the first team to win two different European trophies. Again, in 84, won the UEFA Cup. And you, you look at then at Man United under Ferguson. Again, the mm. same model, replacing one or two players or three players a season. Has football turned that much that it's turned into you need to spend billions beyond billions, that it becomes very difficult for clubs like Tottenham um, to win a championship or win an FA Cup. Was winning the FA Cup is, is luck, but for winning a championship, you have to spend a specific amount of money. Do, do, yeah. And I think that's where Levy and Enoch have failed. They haven't spent a specific amount of money back in their manager. If we had back Poch after the Champions League final, I swear to God, Poch yeah. should still be in charge now. But yeah. we didn't. Now, look, my thought in this is we spent money on the stadium. Yeah, it's a fantastic stadium. Brings in extra revenue. Brilliant. But as long as that money goes to the football inside, I have nothing against Daniel Levy. Uh, he, 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 he's a human being at the end of the day. He's a human being mm. with a family. And all these people that go around calling him um, um, parasite and, and, and names and, and, and being um, going near the knuckle or crossing the line with some of the comments they make about him, I don't agree with that. Mm. I want the best for my club. But I want to do it in a respectful, humanely way that yeah. like, we can get behind this. We can get behind the purple and gold to Tottenham are sold. That's fine. But I won't go over that line where it starts getting verbal or it starts getting him being called names. I don't think that's right. So I think it has to be done in a respectful way. We all want the best for Tottenham. We all want Tottenham to succeed. We all want Tottenham to be... A, a winning club. We all want to win trophies. Yeah, we all do. But it's got to be done right. Do you yeah. think it can be done right now, Ellie? Or do you think... And it, it doesn't matter if you're Levy in or Levy out or Levy in the middle. Shouldn't everyone's opinion be respected instead of being made to feel if, you, if you're not a Levy out, if you don't support Levy out, that you're part of the problem, that the fans are part of the problem? That's bloody wrong, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Of course. Look, we're, we live in a free society. Everybody's got their own opinions about how they want the club to progress, you know. But to vilify one man for it and like put him down, it's not right. It isn't right. But what I would say is that every everybody at the in the protest side of things have acted what i've seen what i've seen maybe not on twitter or things you know on general youtube channels but what i've seen on the protests is so amicable Dermot. they are true spurs fans who love the club and the even levy inners can be the same we've got to just join one voice one voice to make change at our club and have sustainable investment into the team. So it's all very well having a sustainable club. You've got to have a sustainable investment into the mm. team as well. And that's what Man City have done very well. They've invested. But it's not it's not how much you spend as well. It's who you buy and what mm. positions you fill. And the whole vision of the club so that you can gel a team together in mm. the mould of that manager and give him the tools to make it successful. Mm. With the Levy-inners, you know, they have a voice as well. They they see progress. So you can't, you can't knock people for seeing that the club has progressed. But 
I think we all want, like you said, Dermot, we all want to see a successful club winning trophies, being up there because we deserve, not we deserve it, but we should make ourselves in, get ourselves in. Yeah. In that person, self successful mm. again. Yeah. Well, look, I, I this we will be having this conversation again with uh, you, me, and Philip again on another podcast. We really will because it, it's yeah. worth having. But listen, Ellie, thank you so much for joining me on podcast number Pleasure. six, I think this is. Um, yeah, we're yeah. back tomorrow with Newsbeat at one o'clock. This podcast will be going out tomorrow evening at eight o'clock. So please look out for that. Whatever you're doing, enjoy the rest of your bank holiday Monday. If we are having a bank holiday Monday, um, you know, respect each other, love, love your family, give your family an extra big hug, and also yeah. whatever you do, support Second the boys. That. Come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs! And someone we trust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>Sorry, very quickly before we go, you can find this podcast on Spotify and Amazon Music as well. And you, we're back tomorrow at one. Come on, you Spurs, in someone we trust. <laughs>